morning. I'm glad to be here, and after this week, I'm just glad to be. Uh, I, uh, I do want to use one personal privilege. If you, if you have seen at least one episode of The Chosen, would you raise your hand? Really? Really? You don't know what you're missing. There, there's a few. Uh, go on YouTube, and don't put Chosen, put The Chosen. Uh, episode four, season three comes on tonight. It will change your life. Fantastic. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, you can't get it on regular TV, I mean, but you, you can get it on YouTube. So uh, I just wanted to be sure and, and put that out there because sometimes some, some things are too good to hold to yourself. And so uh, the gospel being one of them. I will say this in preface of uh, reading the scripture. Today's scripture reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You probably you have it before you in the bulletin. I will say this. Uh, sometimes, I think all the time, uh, whether they admit it or not, ministers feel very inadequate. They do. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a heavy responsibility to stand before the people and, and declare, thus saith the Lord. Um, and I heard a first-person uh, story one time about a group of, of nationally known ministers who were gathered, and uh, they, they were having a time of prayer. And the fellow that was telling it said that he, he had knelt down, and, and he, was, uh, he was praying, and so, some were praying out loud, and some were praying quietly, and said this fellow beside of him kept saying, Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. And he said, when I got done and started to return to my seat, I looked, and it was Billy Graham. Now, if Billy Graham can pray, use me, Lord, can't we all? 2 Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Again, we ask for your blessings on your word, and we know your promise that when your word is read aloud, it will go forth in power. It will not return void, but will accomplish all that you set forth to do with it and prosper in the thing you send it forth to do. And we rest in that promise. We know that men are fallible, we are full of failure, and therefore we do not rest in the abilities of man, but trust in the power of God to speak his word as proclaimed through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that your word would go forth to all the ends of the earth. In fact, we pray that you would send a worldwide harvest of souls such as the world has never seen, that you would 
raise up workers for your harvest more than adequate that you would raise up churches to receive the new believers and to disciple them in Christ. And we pray that you would make the enemies of Jesus Christ the footstool of Jesus Christ and that he would rule and reign over us forever. And that is our prayer this morning in Christ's name. Amen. First Corinthians, I'm going to go through these. It's actually an exegete sermon uh, uh, as compared to normally uh, many of mine are topical sermons, but this is an exegetical sermon, so bear with me. Therefore, verse 1, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Having this ministry, all in Christ are ministers of the gospel. You are a minister of the gospel if you are saved through Christ Jesus. First Peter 2, 9 but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Notice this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You may already have caught on today. There's a lot of references to light, Jesus being the light of the world. Doesn't matter whether you're an elder, a deacon, a lay person, whether you've been saved a, a long time or a short time, whether you're young or old, we all have that calling to minister the gospel. In fact, referring to the offices of the church, I heard one time uh, uh, someone asked a young boy, said, can you tell me the difference between a, a pastor and a layman? And he thought for a little bit and he said, uh, well, uh, a pastor's paid to be good, <laughs> but a layman's good for nothing. So you, uh, good for nothing layman, listen up this morning, so, and us pastors will take heart. Paul in verse 1 declared, we don't lose heart. We do not lose heart. We don't lose courage. We don't lose our boldness. We don't lose our drive. And he repeats the thought in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, as for you brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. Luke 21 tells us that in the last days men's hearts will fail them because of fear. And yet 2 Timothy chapter 1 proclaims, God has not given us, his children, a spirit of fear, but implied the Holy Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The ESV says self-control. I'll take either one of those. Those who have no fear of God fear everything else, but those who have the appropriate fear of God need fear nothing else. We have God. If God be for us, who can be against us? Doesn't mean I can do anything in my flesh that my flesh wants to do. It means I can do everything that God leads me to do under his anointing and power because of the Holy Spirit living within me. Sometimes uh, we ask this question as Christians, looking around us, looking at the news and, and how the world is. Why does Jesus delay his return? Why, why come today, Lord Jesus? Why, why are you delaying? Look at the godless condition of our world. And the answer is simple if you think about it. Why does Jesus delay his return? Your lost family member, your lost neighbor, your lost co-worker. The list goes on and on and on. Aren't you really, really, really glad that Jesus didn't come back the day before you professed him as Lord? 
Oh, I, I certainly am. I don't want what I deserve in life. Please, Lord God, never. I never want what I deserve. You know, I've heard people say, well, I don't deserve that. I know one time Bob Hope was given an award. He said, I really don't deserve this award, but I, I have arthritis. I don't deserve that either. I have news for you. We, we, we don't deserve any blessing or benefit on our own merit, but by grace, God has mercifully shown us all his benefits and love through Christ Jesus. So I, I don't want what I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve eternal, eternal separation from God. And I never want that. I want to see his face. I long to see the face of Jesus Christ. When waiting sometimes seems so tedious, consider Abraham waiting on his promised heir. Now he had a promise from God. A direct promise from God. You will have an heir. Well, when you get to be in your 90s, it's kind of doubtful. And he began to doubt. Imagine Joseph. Joseph had a promise. And there he is languishing in an Egyptian prison, falsely accused. Waiting is hard. Consider God's chosen people in slavery 400 years to a pagan Egyptian government. 400 years now. Our nation hasn't existed that long. And yet God allowed his people to be under the subjection of the godless Egyptians for 400 years, which means, which means, think about this, you could have been born in Egypt under Egypt's oversight, lived 100 years as a Hebrew, and died without seeing the redemption of God. And yet his promises are yea and amen. Think about Israel's perpetual conquest for those additional so-called 400 silent years between the Older and Newer Testaments with no prophet and no open word from God. You know, we have to think about those things because we're so blessed in America with a church on every corner and a Bible on every, every stand in the house. And we think, well, where's God? Well, what would we think if we had none of that? God's still faithful. In each case, God was fulfilling his promises in his perfect time. In his perfect time to people of faith. To people of faith. In Luke 18, Jesus gives the unjust judge parable. And he concludes with these words in verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect, that's you, who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. It's a slow approach, but a rapid revelation. That's my words. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I say he will. Because we walk and we talk and we live and if necessary we die by faith. But we do not lose heart. When you're reading the Bible, uh, I encourage you to pay attention to the thems and us's. The thems and us's. The we, the us, the our, or the my versus the them and the they and the there. Pay attention to that. Because we have words written to us, and then we have words referencing them. Notice verse 2. But we, we, 
have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm simply proclaiming Jesus Christ's lordship and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Christians are new creations in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things are made new. The Christ life is what is about what you are and what you are becoming. It's not about what you were. You know, pity the butterfly whose beauty is evaluated while emerging from the cocoon. That's us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul lists fleshly sins. Now listen to this list. It's not a pleasant list to hear. Do not be deceived. <clears throat> Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindles, will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice verse 11. And such were some of you. That scripture deflates egos, it gladdens hearts, and gives hope to those struggling with sin because of what follows immediately. Look, it says, but, but. Hold that thought. We're going to go in a different direction. Paul says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's almost enough to make a Presbyterian dance. <laughs> that is such good news. That, that is such a powerful promise of God. I, I met a guy one time, and, and, and he, he was a, just a fresh Christian. And he starts telling me, uh, you know, I used to do this. I said, hi, hi, wait, 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 wait. I don't care what you were. Tell me what you are. That's where you are. That's where I am. It's not a bad, listen, everybody's got a past, okay? Everybody's got skeletons in the closet. In fact, I need to add on uh, room for my closet. But that's not about who I am. That's who I used to be. I met a fellow who hadn't seen me in years. He said, oh boy, I remember you used to blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah. I said, that fellow's dead. He said, what are you talking about? You're standing in front of me. I said, well, no, I'm standing in front of you. But the man you're talking about is dead. I'm born again. I'm new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I was all those things. But now I am washed, sanctified, justified in Christ and now we imperfect redeemed sinners offer other imperfect sinners a perfect Savior. One of the best summations of Christian witnessing I have ever heard is this. It is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. It's one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Now you notice that doesn't elevate the first beggar. And it doesn't diminish the second beggar. They're both beggars. But one has found bread, and he's sharing the good news with his buddy. Salesmanship has nothing to do with discipleship. We win souls by esteeming others higher than ourselves while declaring the open statement of the truth, as Paul says, allowing Christ to live his life through us by grace. Before the Damascus Road experience where Paul met Jesus, Paul terrorized the Christian church. He was full of rage, hatred, and violence. I want you to have that image in your mind when you compare him 
to how he described himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now listen to this. This don't sound like the same fellow, and it's not. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can I let you in on a little secret? If I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. If I could talk you into Jesus Christ, the next fellow could talk you out of Jesus Christ. But that's not what the gospel message is. The gospel message is exposing you to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit talking you into Jesus Christ and change begins from the inside out. That's the good news. All right, back at our scripture verse, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, is, is hard to see, let's say, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, notice the we, the, their, in their case, small g, God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers who keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Have you not asked this question about someone you know personally or maybe even on a national level? Why can they not see their need for God? Well, the answer is right there. Verse 4, because the small g God, meaning Satan, of this world, that's not a good translation, sorry, but the better translation is God of this age. Satan's not really the God of this world. He's the God of this age, okay? Has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. You know, I've noticed this. If, if, if I saw anyone attacking a blind person, I would go to their aid. I would say, well, what are you doing? Well, they're just stupid. Really? Well, they can't read that. They can't see that stop sign or they can't see that traffic light is red. It's like, yeah, they can't see it green either. They can't see. So how foolish would it be for us to attack someone simply because they're blind instead of assisting them in their blindness to see? man or woman can be at the top of their profession, have more degrees than a thermometer, and be rich in worldly wealth, and yet be blind to God. Remember 2 Corinthians 2.14, the natural, meaning the carnal or fleshly or unregenerate or lost person, does not accept the things of the capital letter, Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Personal story. When I was in college, I roomed with a college professor in his house. I, I rented a room out of his house. We shared meals together, and, and we were friends. He had three degrees, three advanced degrees. Uh, he was a tenured professor in English, and uh, every other semester, he taught Bible. Now, stay with me. At the first day of the class of Bible, the Bible course, room full of students, he would stand up and hold up a Bible in his hand and say, if you believe this to be anything other than a historical book, you need to leave now. Well, to the credit, most of them left. I always admired them for that. They got up and left and walked out of the room. He was my friend, he was brilliant, and he was spiritually blind. 
Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they, they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Notice this, verse 29, John 10, 29. Get that tattooed on your chest. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Did you hear that? Jesus said, oh, I have, I have many who are mine, my sheep. I have many in my sheep. And somebody said, excuse me, where'd you get them? God gave them to me. My dad gave them to me. Oh, Really? You mean they just didn't wander in from somewhere else and decide to join your flock? No, 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 no. The ones I have, they know my voice, and when I whistle, they run. But God, my Father, gave every one of them to me. God gave them to me. God calls, God convicts, God redeems through Jesus Christ. There's no plan B. It's grace alone by faith alone in Christ alone. All right, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves... But Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I want to tell you this, that in 2023, by the way, Happy New Year, but in 2023, your greatest barrier to living the Christ life, you ready for this, will be you. Paul did not seek his own glory, but to glorify Jesus as Lord. Most of our struggles are with our own hearts, our own desires, our own ideas of success. Instead, our calling is to get out of the way and let Jesus, who lives within us by his Holy Spirit, live his life through us. Now, let me stop just briefly here to say this. When I was growing up in the church, and I got away from the church uh, for a period of time when I was older, and by the grace of God, he drew me back. I remember wondering when I was 18, how in the world can anybody live the Christian life? Well, that was just two weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know where those years went, but since then I've caught on. But here's, here's what I used to ask. I'd hear the preacher say something like that. Let Jesus live through you. And I'd be sitting there going, how? How do you do it? Don't tell me what to do unless you're going to tell me how to do it. And it seemed like every Sunday I kept hearing, do this, do this, do this. It's like, yes, I agree. Okay, how? Tell me how. I'm going to tell you how. You kill you and let him live through you. There's only one person going to be running your life. It's either going to be you or him. And you can't hold on to that pet sin. You have to lay that on the cross too. And we all have pet sins. You know, the sin that you say, well, that ain't, that's not all that bad. Really? Jesus died for it. How bad did it have to be? But it is so freeing. It is so freeing to say, well, Lord, here's an opportunity. You're on. I mean, really. You're up. Let me get out of the way. You're up. You're on. What do you want said? What do you want said, Lord Jesus? That doesn't just apply to pastors preparing sermons to say, what do you want said, Lord? That applies to us each day. In fact, start your day this way. Get up in the morning. I know some of you, I know some of you morning people, some of you night people. I, I get all that. I, I understand some of you have to have about four pots of coffee to be human. I, I understand all that. 
But as soon as you can have two, two words together in a concise thought, let me encourage you to do this. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Practice this. Start now. Start in 2023. First thing you do, roll over the edge of your bed and get on your knees and say, I commit this day to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to live through me today and accomplish your purposes through me today. You can finish the rest of your quiet time later, but you have just established that day in Christ. Watch what he'll do. It will amaze you. It will amaze you. You'll go, wow, I didn't know I knew that. And the Holy Spirit says, who? Oh, well, no, no, you did that. <laughs> we won't take the credit. That's what Paul's trying to say. We've got to get out of the way. Not my will, but thine, Lord, be done. May I decrease and you increase. Verse 6, coming down the home stretch. For God who said, let, talking about Genesis, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Light overcomes darkness. Holy Spirit enlightenment is the cure for spiritual blindness. Even as God, by the word of his power, said, let there be light, and light materialized to dispel the dark. Even so, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came to seek and save that which was lost and to reconcile sinful man with sinless God forever, not as forced slaves, but as joyful servants, not as second-class citizens, but sons of God. Can I just say this in the politically correct times we live in? Sometimes I've had women say, you know, there's so much in there in the, in the New Testament, but it says sons, sons, sons. And I said, yes, it does. Understand, at that time, women had no rights. You were property. You were like a donkey or a sheep. So when Jesus says you have the rights of sonship, they're going, yay. Why, you mean I as a woman have rights of sonship in the eyes of God? Yes. That was not a mistake. There's no mistakes in God's word. Sons of God. Sons of God. Glory to God. The next point is not original, but it's worth repeating. The Hebrews searched for light. That was the epitome of, of understanding to them. The Greeks pursued knowledge and the Romans sought glory, which makes what Paul wrote so precise under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In 2023, your faith will be challenged more than 2022. You can write it down. Christians are suffering for their faith at an alarming rate worldwide, and we're not exempt. Embed this thought in your heart. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God to glorify Him and fully to enjoy Him forever. God has placed you in this generation among those people wherever He has set you to make disciples of Christ. And as wonderful as our pastor is, and he is wonderful, Parker, you can pay me later. As wonderful as our pastor is, he is our shepherd, and shepherds cannot produce sheep. Only sheep produce sheep. And as Christ under shepherd, our pastor leads us as the great shepherd leads him by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I know that, okay, which is the equipping that you have from God for your divinely designated parish as well. 
Intently seek the face of Jesus in your devotions and prioritize hiding God's word in your heart. Don't make resolutions. You may have already. But if you hadn't made any resolutions, don't make resolutions. I'm so opposed to resolutions. Make recommitments. Make recommitments. You know, most of your resolutions is just rehashing last year's anyway. Make recommitments to God. This year I'm committed to hiding the word of God in my heart. This year I'm committed to bringing glory to the Lord, to surrendering to him, to glorying his, glorifying his holy name. One, one, one additional thought here, and I've got one last scripture verse I'll read, but just, just think about this for a second before we close. Have you ever looked at a full moon? I mean on a really clear night where you can literally see the markings on the moon with the naked eye. And you think, wow, how bright that is. Do you understand that the moon cannot produce any light? The moon is a reflection of the sun, which is what we're called to do as Christians, to reflect the sun. Which is why the song says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's really his light. It's not my light. It's the reflection of his light. This little light of his, I'm going to let it shine. And also understand this. It, our job is not to shine the light. To get in somebody's face and say, you're either going to accept Jesus or I'm going to beat your brains out. Oh, I will, I will. No, they won't. Our job is for them to be drawn to the light like a moth is drawn to a flame. Be drawn to the light. Let his light shine through us. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I close with this, and it's not, it's just, just, let's just listen. Don't, don't close your mind, just listen. Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Go forth and shine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so good, so wonderful, so wonderful. Every one of us would say, Lord, I know me. I know what you got when you got me and you didn't get a bargain. But Father, you knew what you had because you made us and you love us and you called us. Father, use us. If Billy Graham can pray that, we'll pray that. I pray this on behalf of everyone here and I especially pray it for me. Use me, Lord. In 2023, use me. Maybe that's our slogan for the year. I don't know, but... In 2023, may it be said that Jesus Christ used me. In his name, amen. Please turn to hymn number 567 and stand. Another year is dawning. <laughs>